listeners, happy to see you. And I'm sure happy for you guys to hear us, hopefully. Welcome to the next episode of the Author Accountability Podcast, the number of which I cannot recall. I'm Donna, and with me here is Katie Wall from Craft Better Books. Hi, Katie. How are you doing? Hi, I'm great. Um, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. Actually, thank you for both you and Andrew. I'll thank him as well. But I did not expect to get both of you on board <laughs> to, to come onto the podcast. I'm, I was so thrilled when I got the, the email from you guys saying that you were all good. Because I, I said to Rianne, do you think maybe I could get both? And I, I sent that email hoping that you guys would agree and you did, and that's great. <laughs> yeah, we're both really excited. Um, you know, I get to go first, which, you know, <laughs> I'm thrilled about, but <laughs> um, yeah, Andrew, Andrew will be on in a couple of weeks, I believe. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah he will be. Um, it's interesting that our topic, which we'll carry on just now, um, just as a little teaser for our listeners, it's a topic that I feel like is not spoken about often enough. And I'm so glad that um, I get to talk to you about it because, <laughs> sorry about that. I was just saying, I was so jealous when um, Rianne got to speak to all these new and exciting people. Not that I don't love talking to Rianne, I really do. We get on very well. But it was, I was just, oh, I saw, saw some of those topics. I was like, I wish I was there. So that I could, you know, be in on the in on that conversation. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Anyway, introductions. Yes. Um, should I go first? I'll go first. I, I'll cut this bit out because our listeners know who I am. But yeah. Um. So, like you said, I'm Katie Wall, and I live in Washington State in the United States. And with my husband and our two kids, um, they are two and a half and four and a half. Um, That's so, a narrow gap. <laughs> yes, um, which has been quite challenging, um, but we're getting through it. Mm. <laughs> no, I, I love my kids, but it's definitely everyone has needs all the time and mm. it, it makes it a little bit difficult to get blocks of time for myself or, or to mm. get things done, as I'm sure all of the parents listening to the podcast can relate. Um, so, but yeah, we have a cat as well. Um, she may interrupt us as we're talking. I don't know. She likes to come sit on my lap sometimes. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I was actually scrolling um, as before episodes, I always do a little bit of an Instagram stalk. Sure. <laughs> and I've seen the pictures of your cat. She is beautiful. She's yeah. absolutely stunning. Thank you. Yeah, we we saw her when she was a kitten. She was rescued by a, you know, like a cat rescue group. And we saw her picture on their Facebook page and we're like, her, we want her. She's Aww. beautiful. Yeah. So um, yeah, yeah, she's great. And she's super sweet. So yeah. And I guess we like to go hiking and I love crafting, but um, like sewing and embroidering and, and things like that. But I don't really have the time and space right now to do it. So I'm looking forward to getting back to that when the kids get just a little older. Um, but yeah, that, that's me. <laughs> oh, well, that's lovely to meet you. And I didn't realize we had so much in common besides being moms and in book world. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's lovely. Yeah, I must say, um, 
yeah the whole thing about getting a little bit of space back for yourself I feel that definitely mm-hmm. in my core and then I won't go into all of the details because we obviously need to move on just now but uh Emily that's my daughter she is going to my words have just gone oh my gosh that's all right daycare daycare yeah <laughs> she's going to daycare in July um which well it's kind of like pre-preschool I suppose um mm-hmm. is what she's actually going for and it's uh snuck up on me and I was not 100% convinced uh but I must admit I do look forward to having the extra I think it's four hours she's only going for a half day mm-hmm. so I am looking forward to having a good solid block of time to yeah. do what I will if I want to sit and eat chips on the couch or <laughs> write I'm happy right. that I can do that <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Our kids go to daycare as well. Um, which was kind of a big transition after mm-hmm. I, I was home with them full time, um, for, for a number of years, but having some of that time and space just to have quiet in the house and not mm-hmm. get interrupted has been great. But most of those hours I'm, I'm doing my work as a book coach. So mm-hmm. still, still not that much time just for me to, to do a hobby or watch a show or, mm-hmm. or something like that. But uh, it's a season. That time will come. That's a know. very healthy way to look at it, definitely. <laughs> um, <laughs> should we move on to what we're working on at the moment? Yeah, so kind of personal writing-wise, not much. <laughs> I've had to kind of shelve my fantasy series that I was plotting out, and I, I actually started writing book one. But um, I'll talk about it a little bit anyway, because I do want to get back to it hopefully this year sometime, but basically it's a trilogy of trilogies, which is very ambitious. I know. It sounds very satisfying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I I sure hope it will be. So, you know, Andrew will be on um, at a later episode talking about his passion for world building, but he and I developed the world for this fantasy series together. Um, which was a lot of fun. Um, we took a lot of walks with a kid uh, in the stroller and a baby strapped to me, oh. <laughs> um, just talking through this world. So uh, it holds a really special place uh, in my heart. And I really hope I get to um, do this story justice when I actually have time to devote to it on a regular basis. But but yeah, so I, I stopped writing the first book initially because I need to go back and flesh out some more of the world building first. There were some pieces that it was like, oh, I need to do that <laughs> um, to, to answer some questions after getting some feedback from a fellow book coach on the pages I had already put together. So so yeah, that that's why it's kind of on pause. And then um, I've been so busy helping other authors with their worlds and stories that I just don't have the brain space at the moment. Um, Feel that in my heart. Yeah. <laughs> no brain <laughs> yeah. space. I hear you. <laughs> yeah. Um, especially with the the kids and and right now springtime in the in the United States is when everybody's trying to figure out what their kids are going to do for preschool, daycare, school for the fall. So we're in kind of this there, there's a huge chunk of my brain space taken up with kind of figuring out <laughs> what our plans are for our kids and and what the fall is going to look like. So, you know, as I said before, there are just seasons, like especially for mom writers, there are just seasons and that's okay. You know, I know that I'll get back to my book books 
nine books um, eventually. <laughs> but, you know, for now, I'm just trying to be patient. And, you know, I continue to revisit the material and think through it and make notes as they come to me. But it's just, it's a process. Writing is a process. A hundred percent. I agree with you. And I was speaking to one of the other guests a couple of weeks ago as well. And she's also a mom. Um, her son is, I believe, 12 years old, if I'm not mistaken. And she said, no, it, it's it's interesting. Her story, uh, she said that, you know, when you talk to authors and other writers, like so, like so many of them say that it's something that they've always wanted to do, but she she just kind of fell into it, which mm. is actually great. I think it's so amazing how those things happen things that are unexpected and so like I'm holding out for that definitely for something unexpected and great to happen so that you know it's yeah uh, I had a, a lot of time before M was born to work on writing and it's very difficult not to think of it as waste of time because I was working and then I stopped working independently to uh, join my husband's business and I was doing admin work it's like the, the most boring of the boring <laughs> admin <laughs> work and at that time I was studying as well and writing and I kind of eventually I, I got the guts up to say to him I can't I can't I can't do this admin thing it's really to me at the time at least I mean now I probably would feel a bit better about it but at the time it just felt so oppressive in a way yeah. and, and so um we embarked on the grand adventure that was to find my replacement which took us a decent amount of time and about three or four different probationary employees unfortunately but um, yeah, now we've got a lovely lady. Her name is Leslie. What's up, Leslie? If you're hey. listening to this, um, she's amazing, and she she's a bit older, so she definitely can keep a cot in line when it needs to be kept in line. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, you said you could have how much discount? I don't think so. <laughs> she's very yeah. good at making sure that he charges what he's worth, which is is good. really good because he's got a very much a soft spot, you know, for like the elderly ladies and. No, but I was only there for half an hour. And she's like, but you charge your, you must charge your labor per hour. That's the way it works. So I'm sure she's very, she's very good at reminding him that, you know, business is business. By all means, okay. donate to a local charity, but you need to charge what you were. So she's very good at that. <laughs> that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So that's. I forget which train I thought we were on now, to be honest. <laughs> um, I had I had talked about my work in progress. Yes, um, yes, yes. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So is it just that um, those that series that you're working on, or is there anything else? I yeah, I mean, I have a a journal that I jot ideas down in. Mm. Um, you know, when they come to me, but but the series is the one that I've spent the most time developing lately. Um. I do have a couple of books that are partially written and shelved and probably will never see the light of day. <laughs> I think we all have some of those. Yeah, yeah. I think we all have yeah. those. <laughs> Definitely. And that's okay. 
it's just, you know, those were projects that I, I got to grow while I was working on. So, mm. and, and that's important. So none of it's wasted. Um, it's all just, you know, part of that growing process that we all have to go through as writers. Yeah. No, no wasted time, no wasted words. Put that on a t-shirt or right. better still a coffee mug. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Rianne, because she keeps a running list. Rianne, uh, editor Don is going to leave this in. Write this on your list, please. No wasted words. Thank you. <laughs> she she does. She uh, she has a little notebook and she keeps little tally, like little notes of like the introductor like good one liners that we say and she awesome. writes them down. So one day when we have merch, we'll have a nice bank of stuff to put yes. on. Yes. <laughs> My work's in progress. I do apologize if I'm smacking my mouth because I forgot to bring a glass of wood in with me <laughs> and I'm, I'm in my husband's um, office. That's another whole story. I won't bore you with it. My, my computer died and I'm very sad. <laughs> yeah. Three works in progress for myself at present, although as circumstances have dictated, not much is going on with them presently. Um, we have, I have rather, a, a trilogy, which is, what did I decide was the genre? Because I, I, I actually changed my mind. Futuristic fantasy is what we, we oh, cool. use that it falls into. I think it's the one I actually told you about on Instagram. I, it was you that I told, not Andrew, I think. Or was yeah, it I think so. I think I'm, one of you. I'm usually the I'm usually the one on the DMs. Oh, okay. um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I think it was you. Um, so I've changed it from sci-fi fantasy to futuristic fantasy because sci-fi is present, but it's not quite enough really to put it in the sci-fi bracket. Um, so there's that one, which is the trilogy, and I'm currently editing the first one or revising and editing the first book, and then I have plotted and somewhat drafted book two and then I've plotted book three and then I have two other that's a YA by the way and then I have an adult fantasy I would even go so far as to call it dark fantasy because it is quiet but not in terms of although in terms of tone as well but more in terms of theme and mm -hmm. um, it uh, tackles you know sexual assault and trauma and that kind of wheelhouse of situations sure. yeah and then I have another fantasy which I'm not sure which age bracket I want to put it in yet it'll probably end up being kind of straddling the line between NA and adult I think um but yeah also both fantasy um and I just recently and when I say recently I'm talking in terms of writing the time I've spent working on them not recently as an actual human time <laughs> <laughs> um, recently decided that those two other fantasy books apart from the trilogy happen in the same universe although in mm. different parts set two separate kingdoms and um, so I've kind of figured out a couple of ways to intertwine them a little bit which was very exciting for me Rianne got a, a very high-pitched voice note at like <laughs> nine o'clock at night or something stupid oh I figured this out it's so cool don't you think it's so cool um, that's wonderful yeah so um I was I've uh, just done that and yeah and so both of those the project revenge the adult fantasy is in 
drafting phase and then project lock and key is still in the planning phase planning and plotting doing a little bit of research here and there it all gets kind of jumbled up you know <laughs> sure you, yeah you get there yeah so what are you going to be doing in the next couple of weeks in terms of I mean you said that your your actual writing is to the side at the moment but do you have any other interesting things that are going on writing or otherwise in the next few weeks yeah I mean we're I you know my my own writing is is shelved at the moment but I'm working with you know multiple authors right now on their stories and mm. so that that I think is part of the the brain space issue is mm. I, I think for me I can really hold like three or four stories in my head at once mm. and that's it like I really can't go further than that so um depending on how many how many clients I'm working with at, at a time it really you know sometimes my own work has to be kind of pushed aside for a little bit um but that's okay because I get super excited about my clients stories and you know what the work that we're collaborating together on to to strengthen their stories i also one writing thing that i am doing right now that isn't fiction it's nonfiction, but it's i'm i'm creating some workbooks um for my clients one is for well they're both about story fundamentals so making sure you know the themes and the plot arc and the character arc are all working together to create a, a solid, compelling story. Um, but one of the workbooks is for people who are in the drafting phase or the plotting phase. And then the other workbook is for people who already have a completed draft and they're realizing that there are fundamental issues in this story. And so then taking um, a step back and firming up that foundation before they do the actual revision so that they have more of a direction. Those so, sound really, really useful and helpful. Um, I mean that in, in the greatest uh, degree of compliment, because I think sometimes, you know, like when you create workbooks and mm -hmm. like that kind of thing, it's sometimes it's difficult to nail down the actual need and to satisfy the need. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you're doing a really good job of and, and you're catering for both stages, which is amazing. It's a really nice holistic approach, which uh, I as writer very much appreciate. <laughs> yeah, I, I initially only had one workbook and I was trying to tackle both approaches with that one workbook and just kind of customizing a little bit for wherever a particular client was. And over time, I really realized, no, we really need to separate these approaches because, you know, the it's just a completely different mindset. And then there are certain questions that need to be answered at the revision stage in a different order than they need to be answered at the drafting stage. Mm. Um, and so I'm trying to take all of that into account. I'm super excited about it. I'm it's excited not, for you. It sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be really helpful and I'm doing it as a coaching package. And so not only will the writers who want to, to use the workbooks, um, will they get all the workbooks materials, which it's probably going to end up being, I would say like 50 pages altogether. Oh, solid, yeah. But there'll be, it, it'll be broken up into eight chunks, like eight, eight sections in the workbook. And for each section, they'll get a coaching call. And so 
um, you know, they'll get written feedback on their, their exercises that they did in each chunk and then would get to talk through that and kind of collaborate. And, and so I'm just so excited because I love like that light bulb moment you were just discussing where mm. you left that, that message, um, mm. for Vianne, those are like, that's why I do this work. Like, mm. that's why I work with authors because I want to help them get those light bulb moments. And, you know, it's just so fabulous, um, mm. to get to be a part of that. So, so that's what I'm working on. I'm hoping to have that, that revamped package available, um, in April or May, um, to, that is, yeah. that is just right on time. You know, that is just <laughs> right on time for me. My daughter's going to, to daycare in July. So I have a few months to save. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, so, and that will be the timeline that I'm thinking for it being available to, to the general public, but we also have a writing community, um, called the aspiring authors alcove. That's a, it's a paid community. And I realized that you sent me a message about it like months ago and I didn't <laughs> reply and I'm so sorry. And we no, talked right. earlier to, to say to you, hi, I'm ready. And I was like, Oh, I didn't reply. And I'm, I'm terrible. I pride myself in replying, even if it is like maybe a day or so late. I always try and reply to my messages, and I felt so awful when I saw that. And I'm so sorry. No, no hard feelings whatsoever. <laughs> you know, I think everybody, like in in the this pandemic world that we're living in, right? All communication, everything is it's mostly digital at this point. Mm. And so it's so easy for an email or a message to get seen and then just drop off the radar. Mm. So, you know, I'm guilty of that. I think everybody's done it, uh, you know, no hard feelings at Thank all. Thank you. <laughs> um, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so people who are in our alcove community, they actually get to have first dibs when we debut new packages and at a discounted rate. So I, I'll be opening that up to the alcove probably um, in March for, for signing up for this package. But so, you know, a little bit of a shameless plug for our community, but hundred <laughs> percent. We're all about uh, shameless plugs. Yeah, listen, we do it. Rianne and I do it all the time. I plug her, she plugs what she can for me and not that there's much, but then we, it's all good. It's all good. Um, so yeah, so that, that's, what's going on. Um, what I'm working, working hard at is, is getting that ready so that I can, you know, take what I've learned from working with authors so far and adjust the, you know, this resource to, to really support authors in their process, uh, the best that I can. Oh, that's so exciting. Oh, oh, I'm so excited for that because that definitely sounds like something that I would be interested in, um, awesome. honestly. And I, as I said, you know, I'll have a look and do some saving and hopefully I'll be able to sign up with you soon by the end of the year. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> Fabulous. I would love that. Should we move on to the fun stuff, which is, are you reading anything at the moment? Are you watching anything? Have you watched anything particularly interesting recently? Movies or TV shows or anything like that? So um, I watch two different kinds of things, right? So I watch some shows to like enjoy the story and to study story craft and you know the more the more well-written things um mm -hmm. so right now I'm slowly working my way through Wheel of Time um I've, I've, but, I have banished myself from looking 
even at the adverts for that okay because i want to, i'm one of these people and i'm sorry if it upsets you but i have to read the book first i'm just one, okay. I'm one of those people um and because in the past i have done it the other way around and i've just been disappointed and it's yeah although that being said when shadow and bone came out i did watch some of that when because i have not see, read the books and it was interesting how the thing that convinced me to do it was i saw a TikTok, and a, a girl no not a girl a woman said watch it because if you read the books and then watch it you're guaranteed to be disappointed but if you mm. watch it and then read the books it's like you're opening up a whole extra section of information, which I've tried very hard to adjust my mindset. But honestly, Wheel of Time is such a big thing that I don't want to sell myself short. I need sure. to know the things before I see the things. <laughs> yeah, and I, I actually was, was planning to hold off on watching because I also have not read the Wheel of Time series yet. And, and so I, I wanted to do that first, but I talked with my sister who she has read the Wheel of Time. Mm. And, you know, I said, hey, I'm thinking about waiting to watch until I read it, you know, what do you think? So, so my sister was saying, you know, they, the way that the show has been written they truncate certain things or different people take different roles or you know it's different enough um from her perspective that she said it you know i would probably be fine to go ahead and watch and then read later um the other thing that she told me was you know the books are a little bit on the you know they've been around for a while mm, and yeah, so one of the things that she brought up and and obviously I can't vouch for this because I haven't read the books, but one of the things that she was saying was that there are certain things about the books that are a little bit less progressive than the show mm -hmm. is. Uh, she said, you know, don't don't necessarily hold off on watching the show if you're interested in watching the show. You know, you can always read the books later, um, but you might really just enjoy the show right now. So so I've been working my way through it and I'm really enjoying it so far. And I think I will, you know, having having those pieces of of observation from her, mm. um, I've been able to kind of set my mindset up where mm. I'm almost viewing the show as a different story mm. than the book series. Like even though you know, really the story is very similar, the same. I'm viewing them much more as separate creative endeavors mm. um, than maybe I would have otherwise. So that's helping me just with with how I'm thinking about it. That's it's interesting you bring that up because I did the same thing when I started watching Shadow Hunters because mm. I read quite a few of the books actually of the Mortal Instruments uh, books. I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think there's five or six, and I think I read a four. Of, of them. So I, I did enjoy the books for the most part. Spoilers for anyone who hasn't watched, uh, read them. But after Simon became a vampire, I don't know if I liked it as much. He just kind of became a bit whiny a little bit in the middle there. So much so that I actually put the book down in the middle of reading it, which I don't know if it was just my mindset at the time, but I just was not having it. <laughs> I was like, just shush you, just sit there and think about what you've done. <laughs> uh, I might give them another try, but um, in the last couple of years, I have, when it came onto Netflix, I, I started watching The Shadow Hunters, 
TV series. And I, that's the view I took. I just thought of them as completely separate and or tried to anyway, and just kind of said to myself, it's just, they just happen to have the same names, you know, mm. it's, it's, that's what, but I mean, listening to you and, and what your sister said, I think that is a very helpful way to think about it. And I think maybe I should just, maybe I should give it another chance. <laughs> maybe I should just put my pedantic side aside and try <laughs> and just, you know, you don't have to do things the same way every time. So, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and, and I think one thing that often people don't consider or they're not aware of is at least, you know, I wasn't, um, when I was growing up, like I was very much like the book is always better, but now I've kind of realized that, you know, writing a book and writing a script for a movie and writing a TV show script, those are all, they, they demand different things. Mm, in terms yeah. of structure, in terms of setting expectations, in terms of, you know, the, the book is words on a page, whereas a movie is like, you have to fit everything in within a certain amount of time mm. and it's visual and a TV show is visual, but it's much more like, you know, you've got kind of chapters mm. more than like in a movie. So um, and then you have the, the arcs, the individual story arcs of the seasons. Mm. Um, and so I think because of understanding more about story structure and how each of those mediums require uh, different things, I, I've become a little bit more flexible in terms of how I view movie and show adaptations of books, because you just can't duplicate across mediums mm. very well necessarily um there's always going to be some kind of constraint on it so anyway that that's my two cents no, no that's um, no, that's great don't, don't worry we do tangents tangents all the time it's so good no no I agree with you it's uh it, I know I must say sometimes you know old habits are hard sometimes so I'm, I'm working on it I'm working on it <laughs> Is there anything else that you are watching or read? Are you reading oh, anything yeah. at the moment? So, well, I'm reading a lot for work right now. And again, that whole, you know, I can hold only so many stories mm. in my head at once. So at the moment, I'm just reading client work, nothing that, that's already published. I'm doing a developmental edit on a YA fantasy right now, which is really great. Mm. Um, I'm super excited to see how it ends because I haven't read the ending yet. No. Um, <laughs> but lately I've been reading actually um, outside of the fantasy genre. I've been reading contemporary romances, um, oh, okay. which you know, I've been enjoying them, but, but kind of out of my, my typical. So, but yeah, it's been, it's been kind of just refreshing to switch tracks a little bit. And I'm sure mm -hmm. I'll wander back over to fantasy shortly for my personal reading in terms of the other thing I'm watching at the moment. So, so like I was saying, I, I kind of watch shows in two categories. So mm -hmm. there's the, you know, for, for story and studying craft, but then there's the like, uh, I guess guilty say, pleasure. Watching. I was going to say, say what it is. It is trash TV, and we all yes, trash it. TV. <laughs> yes. Um. So right now, I'm actually watching through Dawson's Creek because I never watched it when it first was coming out. So, um, I I had seen somebody who was rewatching it and posting about it on Instagram, and I was like, oh, I should just try it out. So mm -hmm. it's very much that that guilty pleasure trash tv um but but it's nice <laughs> to have something like you that you consider that trash tv they're gonna laugh at me 
<laughs> husband uh, and uh, no what? I mean I think I think there are good things about it I think it's just there's also this element where storytelling has evolved mm. not only in the novel world but also in the tv show world mm. and so there are you know Dawson's Creek is from the early 2000s 90s mm. I don't remember um I think something I like think that early 2000s yeah yeah um and so just the 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 writing and the storytelling is different than you know writing and storytelling on in tv shows now mm-hmm. um and not that you can't have similar things now but just you know there there are certain things that they do on the show that would never get done oh now. yes yeah <laughs> um, so so and i guess what i mean by kind of guilty pleasure is more of like the shows i don't have to think too hard about yes like i, I can just you. And I'm much more passively take them in. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, when it's nine o'clock at night and I'm exhausted, I can just put on one of those episodes and just enjoy it and not have to think too hard about it. So, yeah. so that, I'm, I'm that rewatching Castle for that very reason. So mm-hmm. I could have something to enjoy. Like if, for instance, if I'm, my husband is busy watching Cobra Kai at the moment, which I don't mind like I'll sit and watch but I'll only watch it with him if I'm like really in the mood for it otherwise it doesn't quite grab me the way it grabs him because I mean even though I watched Karate Kid as a mm-hmm. as a youngster I wasn't like devoted to it. it didn't capture me the way that it obviously captured him and so I appreciate the you know the callbacks to the original movies and the you know the kind of little bits and pieces and and that kind of thing and I, I love seeing the characters like grown and you know in, in the adult lives and stuff but it's not something that uh which is strange because usually when I watch something like I'll I'll watch it um mm-hmm. I watch it from beginning to end and I'm focused but yeah I've actually been as you say passively kind of consuming that tv show um but when I don't feel like watching uh teenagers kick each other in the face um I am re-watching Castle which um I really do love and Nathan Killian is great I said this in the last episode um he's I don't know there's just something about his humor like his physic his like physical humor and mm. just his like obviously the writers had a ton to do with it but his the delivery of certain lines is just oh, it, it's just it, it makes me feel good it's a feel-good pro- program good. yeah yes um and then in terms of reading I'm still uh, I'm rereading a um an old trilogy from when I was quite young it's called the winds uh, sorry the wind on fire series the first one is called wind singer by William Nicholson I remembered his name this time or listeners thank you last time it took me like 10 minutes okay not that long but it took me a while <laughs> to try and figure out because I think I called him Nichols Williamson or something like that but um yeah so I'm still making my way through those until I find a, a story a, a new story that grabs my attention that makes me go mm, yeah I'm gonna read that which an actual fact speaking of a new story um one of my my guests was um Serena Langer and I recently got uh, her blood wisp book on my kindle so i might start reading that soon but yeah other than that just watching whatever whenever and as you say not a lot of times you consume that kind of stuff that's kind of all all i've been watching and reading 
we've been recording for a very long time. <laughs> Sorry for all my interruptions. Should we actually move on to the topic? Because that'd probably be a good, good, good thing to do sure. now since, uh, since we've already been busy for almost a whole hour. So today our topic is uh, we're going to talk about story or, or book perception. I suppose in this context, mm -hmm. we could pretty much use those two things interchangeably because it's taken for granted that we are referring to novels and books rather than, as you said, TVs, TVs right. or series or whatever. So just for our listeners' information, we'll probably be using those two terms interchangeably. So what I love about this topic, as I said before, it's such a unique topic and that it is something that it's a thread that is present throughout the creation of a book. It starts right from the very beginning with the, the author and their idea and what they want to portray all the way to the reader and how they perceive the book and, and whether they enjoy it or not. And I don't think there's a lot of topics that do that. I mean, usually you they would just focus on one aspect, you know, like marketing or drafting or whatever the case may mm -hmm. be. And so I'm, I'm very excited to, to discuss this with you. You did a whole Instagram post on it, which is what I latched onto when I emailed you guys about being yeah. um, guests. I'm just trying to find the Instagram post now so that I can have it in front of me. But yeah, we, uh, I've devoured that post now this would be so great for us to elaborate on. You've got a, a beautiful little infographic from September last year, for those of you listeners who are looking for it. It's a lovely little circle. It's author perception, critique partner, beta reader, and editor perception, agent perception, publishing house perception, and then at the very end, reader perception. Um, and then round and round it goes. So we'll try and condense, but... Should we should we carry on in that vein, or is there anything any other format that you'd like to maybe chat to about this in? At all? Um, yeah, no, I mean we can we can go around the circle and just talk about each of those perceptions. I do want to mention that the Instagram post was actually based off of a blog post that I wrote about on this topic. Oh, I didn't. Um, so I do have the the blog post is on the website. I'll make sure uh, you get the link so you can, can let Thanks. people click on that and go through it. But so, yeah, so let's start with author perception. It will readily resonate with the listeners, right? Mm. Because, because we're authors here, we're writers. So the, the author perception basically is how you perceive this story. So the story that you want to tell the story that you're trying to put down on the page and develop, um, revise whatever stage you're at, but it's basically, you know, uh, what, what you think that the story is. And the reason I say that you think the story is, is because sometimes as writers, it's really hard to get what's in our heads actually on the page. Mm. And so, you know, sometimes we might think like, oh, I've put this down, you know, I've written it out and this is what's happening in the scene. But we are so close to the story sometimes that we can't actually see that, oh, we left out a really important detail mm. or, oh, there's, you know, some contradictory things or, oh, my character's motivation actually isn't that clear. And that's where 
when you are going back and revising before you get other people's input, if that if that's how you want to do your process, you really want to stick your manuscript in a drawer for a while. Mm. You know, whether that's two weeks, a month, two months, you know, you can kind of figure out what works for you. But taking that time and space away will help you come back to it with more objective eyes mm -hmm. and be able to evaluate, is my mental perception of my story what is actually on the page? Mm -hmm. So so that's a really important step. And it's just an, it's it's really important to keep in mind that sometimes what you have in your head gets on the page and sometimes it doesn't. And just to recognize that tension um, so that you can act, you can evaluate that and you can know that that is is a trap that can you can fall into with your writing. A really good book about kind of developing like the writer brain versus the editor brain. And mm. it, the book has some tips in it as far as creating that objective distance. It's called um, The Artful Edit. And it's written by Susan Bell. And she has a whole section in there about developing this editor brain and this objective perspective um, on your own work. So I do recommend it um, just as another resource for exploring this kind of difference between what you think is on the page versus, you know, how you're presenting that on the mm -hmm. actual page. Is there anything you'd like to to add about author perception? or? No, I think you've, you've covered it really well. And I think it's something that, I mean, we could probably sit here and talk about till the cows come home. Because it is, it's, it's something that I think is the reason a lot of writers or don't write or it's, it's part of the reason why we battle to share our work as well mm. is because we don't know whether what we want to come across is, is coming across. It's definitely a subject that, as you said, can resonate with a lot of people. And it, yeah, but I think you've covered the majority of what we've got to say about that but yeah should we let's let's move swiftly forward because, yeah uh, i'm okay. to get tight and loopy <laughs> yeah um okay so you know as much as you can develop that that editor brain and that objectivity to kind of evaluate yourself you still need you still need other people's perspectives and perceptions to help you hone your story and make sure it is coming across on the page the way that you hope that it will so that's where um, critique partners and beta readers book coaches and editors can come into the picture because those are people ideally who understand story who um, are well versed in your genre and who can um, give you constructive and helpful feedback which i say constructive and helpful and by that i mean where they're helping you identify the problems and they might mm. provide some suggestions, but they're not trying to take over creative control. Mm. So really critique partners, beta readers, um, book coaches and editors, like their, their job is, is to reflect back to you what their experience is of reading your book. They, the so they, might, they are the Watsons to your Sherlock. Yes, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So. So it's not that it's not their job necessarily to fix the problems, but more to to kind of be this mirror and say, you know, as your reader, 
this is what I was experiencing. Or as your reader, I really didn't believe that so-and-so would do such and such. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, whatever permutation uh, you, you want to, whatever example you want to hold up. So that, that's that next step. So you have your author perception and then you want to get this initial feedback. Is the story working? Is it, you know, holding together? Are the emotions I want to communicate being communicated? Do the motivations hold true? That plot arc, that character arc, you know, the theme, the core of it, is that all holding together? So, you know, and, and that's your first taste then of how the rest of the perceptions may receive your book. Mm -hmm. um, and this step of feedback is helping you hone your book so that hopefully when you go to query agents, if you're shooting for traditional publishing, um, which is kind of what we're mostly focusing on today mm. is, you know, you're, you're honing your story through getting this initial feedback so that hopefully agents will perceive your book closer to how you want them to than mm. otherwise. So moving into the agent perception, then you start getting into this idea of your book being a product. Mm. So as writers, we often view our books as, you know, this is my, my dear story that I love. Mm. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you want to sell books, if you want to have a career, you also have to view your book as a product. Mm. It's um, difficult to bridge that gap sometimes. Yes, absolutely. And, and that's why I was saying with critique partners, beta readers, book coaches, and editors, you want people who are familiar with your genre because that will help you satisfy reader expectations around that genre, which will help you sell more books later. So with the agent perception and this, this idea of the book as a product, the agent is going to evaluate all of those foundational things. You know, are the arcs holding together the theme? Is there a solid hook? All of those things. But they're also going to be thinking about how does this book fit into the marketplace? How does it add to the conversation that's happening already? Mm. Um, where could I see this book on the shelf? And so that's where when you get rejections and, you know, form letter or, you know, more personal or rejections after samples or fulls, R&Rs, um, all of those different stages, all of those types of rejections actually give you helpful feedback for making changes to your book to up your chances of success in getting mm. it out in the world. And, you know, maybe that's a topic for another time of what rejections mean yeah. what. Um, I'm not going to get into that right now. Yeah, no, um, definitely, definitely another subject that we could talk about for a very long time. <laughs> yes, but, but it, it's really important to keep in mind that the agent is not just looking at your story as a story. The agent is looking at your book as a potential product and looking at how that can fit into the marketplace. So, you know, that, that perception, that lens is really important for writers to keep in mind as they're querying. It can help stave off some of the pain of the rejections. <laughs> and then the next, you know, once you've landed an agent and you go out on submission, then you are dealing with the perception of the book from the acquisitions editors at publishing houses. And they even more are looking at your book as a product in a way, because they're not only just looking at the book generally in terms of how could it fit in the overall market, they're looking very specifically at how does this book fit into 
what our company is doing, the other books that we're planning to publish, how does it fit into that more specific um, shelf or conversation? So, and the agent ideally will be able to help a writer with that and, and kind of prepare them for for that stage and that perception. And then if the publishing house offers you a contract and you sell your book, or if you are self-publishing, you've kind of skipped this agent perception and publishing house perception steps. The next thing is reader perception. And so at this point, your book is, is finished. It's out there in the world. Mm -hmm. And ideally you'll have gotten, you know, feedback and you've revised and you've made sure that, that things are strong, but one of the key things that I, I hope we can all keep in mind as, as our books go out into the world is that you can't make everybody happy. You are going to get reviews from one star to five star and, you know, the best books in the world have that. Mm. And so, you know, getting, getting those mid range or low range reviews does not mean that your story is terrible. Mm it means that that particular reader's expectations weren't satisfied or their, the lens that they came to the book with, you know, had made them perceive this story in a certain light. And so there has to be the kind of this degree, you know, putting a, a, a creative work out into the world is very vulnerable. Mm. Um, but one of the things that that I think as writers, like we don't necessarily need to develop a, a tough skin. It's more that we need to find a way to be able to separate ourselves from the reader's perception. Mm. So, yeah. Oh, you're so right. That is, you've struck gold on that one. I think, <laughs> you know, I, I've heard so many writers, you know, and, and you're right, it's such a vulnerable thing. It really is. I mean, I, just for me, just getting a critique partner took literal years yeah. <laughs> for me to work up the courage to say, um, does somebody want to um, maybe read my book maybe <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and uh, Rianne luckily she's been through my manuscript once before and I'll probably send it to her again once I've done some changes it, it like you said it's an incredibly vulnerable thing and one thing that I'd like to touch on just before we carry on on that vein is if you are an indie an indie author you kind of have to make those leaps in perception yourself as well as much as as a traditionally published author, I think you have to understand that this is the way other people are seeing your book. You don't necessarily have to, in your own mind, make those changes in perception and, and perspective. So I think it's, it's important to remember that if you are going to be pursuing indie publishing, that you need to wear all the hats and you need to be able to, in your own mind, make that transition um, in perception. So, right. yeah. 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 You have to adopt that kind of publishing house and agent perception in terms of the marketing piece and mm. seeing how your book fits, goes out into the world. Absolutely. Um, you, you, the, what you said the earlier, just then about, you know, we don't have to become hard. We have to be able to almost separate ourselves from mm -hmm. our creative work, which seems counterintuitive because creativity is integrally a part mm -hmm. of us and as you said it's a very vulnerable thing to put a piece of work out into the world but it's something I think that if you're going to be maintaining your sanity you have to at least right. attempt to do 
And I mean, so many authors don't even read the reviews because of mm -hmm. exactly that, is that they're not able to separate themselves from their work. And I think just generally in life, it's good advice as well as to understand that just because somebody doesn't like and or appreciate what you have done or created, it just does not mean that they don't like or appreciate you as a person. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, I know we as writers, we pour so much of ourselves into our work, but it is still a piece of work. It's not mm. us. And I think in some ways, that's the beauty of fiction writing, as opposed to like memoir writing or something like that, because while in fiction, we are dealing with truths and, you know, perhaps processing traumas that have happened to us by writing characters who are experiencing that, or we're doing it at a, a degree of removal in a way, because it's not our story. It's our character's story. Mm. And so looking at it like that, I think can be really helpful in terms of managing um, how readers are perceiving the book, because you're not, you know, if, if someone says, oh, you know, I really didn't like this book, blah, 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 you know, I just didn't identify with the protagonist. They're not saying they're not identifying with your story. They're saying they're not identifying with the protagonist's story. Mm -hmm. um, and as writers, of course, we want everyone to identify with our stories and to be touched by our stories. But just because some people don't relate to it doesn't mean that we did a poor job telling the story. Yes, um, yeah. because the reader is also bringing things to the table. That um, is, it reminds me of a quote. I don't know who by, but it says something about story starts in the mind of the author and finishes in the mind of the reader. I think oh, I'm I love paraphrasing that. that slightly, but I can't remember who said it, but I remember reading it and it a few years back and it actually changed the way I write, you know, because I think a lot of us tend to think we have to make this absolutely we have to find the exact right word and the exact you know but it's unfortunately we obsess over these small details but it's really more the overall impression that you need to be looking at rather than whether you know you've chosen whispered or said under her breath <laughs> you right. know because it's, it in this essentially means the same thing and that the, the that those kind of differences actually come down more to style than actual mm -hmm. changes that you're making to the story so absolutely yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's important to remember that you're only half you're only half of of the whole you know the mm -hmm. the, the end bit is is what happens when the reader reads your book and let's be honest the story might have come alive in your mind first but it is sustained and maintained by the the readers who read your story and I think that's also something that we need to respect as as writers is, is to remember that they're part of the deal too you know you can't just put your work out and let, let it float around just for yourself Absolutely. right <laughs> somebody's going to pick it up eventually <laughs> if you put it out there yeah I love that quote I think that captures it really well yeah so I think we've gone round and round the circle uh, and I think we've reached a, a really lovely conclusion. And for those listeners who have have listened through all of this, it's probably going to be quite a long one uh, this time. I'll try and edit out some of the, the bits and pieces. But let us know in the Instagram post that, that accompanies this episode what 
have you battled with in terms of perception? Is it, is it that you maybe felt a bit slighted by the rejection letters that you received? Or maybe you've got a particularly scathing review that, that you know, kind of you had to just take a step back and remember that they're not talking about you personally. They're talking about something separate from you. Let us know. Tell us, tell us how you are feeling about all of this. And um, hopefully Rianne and I will be quick enough and on the ball enough to reply to you. So we can draw that to a close. Thank you so much, Katie, for, for joining me. Um, I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I love talking about all things, you know, book related, story related. So this has been a lot of fun. Oh, that's so great. So thank you listeners for being with us and we will see you back here next time. Bye. Bye.